In this episode, we talk IoT security, the what and when to use Azure with Orlando IoT organizer and software developer, Jared Porcinalek. I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss, and thank you for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they do and do tech good. And speaking of doing tech good, we have a sponsor for the show all year. We have Pantheon.io. Pantheon.io is a platform for WordPress, Drupal. It's a great way to back up stuff. It's a great way to have a dev test and live environment. It's a really nice ecosystem for those kind of uh, websites. So check out Pantheon.io. Then please subscribe to our channel and hit the notification. Follow us. We put out a podcast and stream every week. Check out all the cool stuff that we're doing. So without any further ado, we have a great guest. Well, let's welcome Orlando IoT organizer and software developer, Jared Porcinalek. Welcome to the show, Jared. Hey, thanks. It's great to be yeah. back. Yeah, it's really, uh, really great to have you back. I think uh, last we spoke was at DevFest Florida. Is that right? Uh, yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. What were you uh, actually doing there? What were you speaking on? Um, so I was talking about IoT and DevOps and kind of how they deserve each other. Or that's probably a negative <laughs> way of putting it, but they they work well <laughs> deserve together. Deserve each other. <laughs> yeah, they deserve each other. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> They work well together, I guess. And that was kind of the crux of that whole talk. Like, And DevOps, if you want to use, a lot of times that term is is overloaded. People use it and they abuse it as well. So I think a, a more concrete way of thinking about it is like software delivery performance. Like how often are you delivering? Are you confident when you hit the, you know, push, publish to get your code out there? Like how confident are you in doing that? And how often do you do it? That's kind of the, the meat and potatoes of DevOps. In, practical terms. So when it comes awesome. to IoT, like how do you get uh -huh. it to those devices at the edge, basically, all the way out there? Yeah. I see, gotcha. I wanna I wanna dive more into that. I just wanna first build up a little bit of context about you for our audience people that might not be familiar with you. And also uh, let me preface too that uh, Janelle and Brian couldn't make it. Brian's at a Figma thing and Janelle is uh got stuck at work. So um, wish them the best of what they're doing today. Sorry, you guys couldn't make it, but we'll see you on the next show with Eric Meyer coming up next week. Um, and so let me first off by saying, Jared, happy birthday. You just celebrated your 56th? Uh, 64th. 64th, right. That's yeah. right. You were a old man right. with a cane. Now, how old did you turn? You're uh, about 30 something, right? You look like a 31. I turned, I turned 31. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly when my birthday was, you know. People out there be stealing identities and stuff. So it was recently. Well, we, we know yeah. on Twitter it was on Monday. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. That's probably <laughs> so so All that's right, up yeah. there. Just so that's you know, if, if you put your oh. birthday out there, the NSA does not have to do a uh, very hard job at uh, figuring that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was Monday. It was great. I had a great birthday. My wife got me some tickets for like a 
concert, but it's in September. So I have like a four month long birthday to, to wait to go to this concert, but it's going to be worth oh, it. Oh, dude. Nice. What, what show? Um, it's Casey Musgraves, believe it or not. It's a country music person. Um, but her album won like album of the year. And so I listened to it and I was like, I'm not normally like a country music guy, but I was like, this is really well written. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. It was good. I can't. Well, I mean, sometimes it, it does it. A, a really good artist has the ability to move past the boundaries of a genre of uh, music, yeah. right? So there's there's some great people that certain individuals might not listen to, but they go, you know what? I really do like that music. I like the lyrics. I like what they're saying. Uh, one of my best friends, believe it or not, that's a huge Deftones fan, is all about Taylor Swift. Hey, Nick. Um, and I, I, I don't get it, but, and I, I, I certainly am not trying to bring more attention to Taylor Swift that she needs. Um, but yeah. he's all about it. So we all have things, whether that's guilty pleasures or things that we just, you know, authentically enjoy. Like, uh, I think it's both. Yeah. Definitely guilty pleasure that I genuinely enjoy. I mean, I'm from a small town, so like, it's kind of, uh, like, you know, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. And also like it, re it resonates with me. So some of the stuff that she talks about. Do, do you play at all? Do you play any kind of instrument? Um, no, but I am writing the lyrics and kind of like composing a little bit with a friend of mine who is extremely talented. Like he went to, he, went, he has his master's in saxophone performance. And so we're kind of like working on an album together and he's graciously making me feel like I'm good at this. <laughs> But we're like three songs in. I think we have one more, and then we'll probably try to record some stuff and put an EP out. But it'll be a good time. That's cool. So, are you writing the lyrics? Are do you actually do any of the vocals you sing? Um, I have been for just the purpose of putting the songs together. I'm not sure yet if mm -hmm. I'm, you know, willing yet to step up to the plate and actually do it for real. But well, maybe. and what I want to go back to, and what I'm really trying to get at, is what we talked about 45 minutes before the show. Is that you prefaced that you were going to sing a little bit for us, so the right. stage is yours. Go ahead. <clears throat> Software delivery performance. The meat and potatoes and DevOps. They just hurt each other. DevOps. DevOps. They just hurt each other. They just hurt each other. Software delivery performance. The meat and potatoes and DevOps. They just hurt each other. DevOps. DevOps. They just hurt each other. Did you catch uh, for all that? The, I, I for the audio listeners, like, I think Jared uh, accidentally there. muted his microphone. Oh, I'm not sure if that. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah, but so, let's stick to the schedule. You know, we got we got to keep on time. But man, <laughs> you really missed our show. That was that was insane. <laughs> Uh, unbeknownst to you, I'll add some audio in there on the uh, audio podcast, and we'll we're really uh, we'll, we'll we'll juice that up for everyone. But let's let's go ahead. And, oh yeah, I'll auto tune you. That sounds good. We'll we'll awesome. find a part. So let's talk about how you had your start in the industry, and from what I remember that you told us about DevFest, and I want to ask you a little bit more about DevFest in a, a little bit, is the way that you got your start in the industry, which came from a pain point of needing to echo out a year. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. Simple as that. Um, yeah. So uh, just to recap that story real quick, basically I had been changing the date at the bottom of web pages at where I'd worked. Um, and there were thousands of static web pages and I was changing the date, uh, the copyright date at the bottom. 
every time the year changed. And this was probably going on for me personally for two years, but for the company for all of time since they had a website. And so when I told my friend who did software development that he was, he, he either looked at me like I was crazy or laughed his butt off, but either way, like he was like, let me show you something that's going to change your life. And he sent me this little snippet of JavaScript that, like you said, echoed out the current date, no matter what date that is, when you are in time. And I was, that's the moment I got it and it clicked for me. And ever since, like, it's been a journey of just trying to make my life easier or make other people's life easier through, you know, writing code and, and basically computer stuff. It's amazing. There's so many moments that I believe a lot of people we've spoken with have had where they had that aha moment where they uh, feel like they learned a little bit and it was that iron rod that helped fortify the structure of their understanding for the rest of their career as far as, oh, JavaScript could do this or, oh, Figma could do that. And like those little things, whether design, dev, marketing, what have you, they really help you fortify that strength and uh, unbeknownst to you at the time, uh, maybe catapult a career in a variety yeah. of different ways. I think what for me, like what really was a, what solidified it in place was that I struggled with this for so long, this repetitive task that was just mind numbing and awful and annoying. And I didn't know there was a better way or there could be a better way. And once I figured that out, like, well, once someone told me how to figure it out, I mean, I mean, there was no going back once my brain had said all that mind numbing, you know, boring, awful work you did that was so tedious. You don't have to do it ever again on that page as soon as you put that snippet at the bottom. And then when he told me that you could have like a header and footer in PHP where the bottom would always be the same <laughs> across all the yeah. pages of the site, I was like, oh, Shit. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> like that was, you know, 2Xing the feeling I already had of, of how that works. Let me ask you uh, uh, a next step. What have you had? And I think this might be super interesting. What, what have you had lately within your career, say within the last year, the last six months of this year? Yeah. Where you have experienced the same kind of um, eureka moment where you said, oh, you know what? That could save me so much time. When was that? What was that? Where were you at when you figured that out? You know, it's a, something comes to mind and it's embarrassing, but I'll tell you anyway, because I knew it, there was a better way and I just was too, um, underwear. You know, well, what's that? <laughs> Nothing. Oh yeah. No. Um, so basically, I had been doing something manually, and I knew that I could automate it, but mm -hmm. doing it manually took five minutes. And so doing something manually every single month, but it only takes five minutes, is it's hard to d distinguish, like, when do I spend two hours automating this? Like, when's a good time? Like, there's never a good time. The best time is the earliest time, you know, that you could think of. And every time you put it off, you're spending more and more time doing something manually. But like anybody who does software development knows five minutes really means a half hour because by the time you get out of the flow and back in the flow, like it's a long time. So finally this time around, what what uh, made me finally decide to automate this was the client that 
basically I was running a report in SQL manually, just like doing a stored procedure to poop out some data and then take that data, put it in an Excel spreadsheet and then send it to the client. And uh, what finally made me like say, okay, I gotta automate this. It's fine, it's time is that the turnaround time from her requesting it and me sending it was just too long. Like I felt like it was bad customer service and she didn't complain or anything like that, but it was just to me personally, I'm like this, this deserves to be automated. So I found something that I've never used before and it was amazing and it's called Microsoft Flow. And I am a little late to that party probably, but basically I was able to connect to the database. Like I made a user that was specifically for this that had um, access only to the stored procedure and nothing else. So in Microsoft Flow, I just connected to the database using that user, got the data back, formatted it in a CSV, attached the CSV to uh, email, and then automated it so that every month it would send it. And then it took me probably an hour and a half because I've never used Microsoft Flow before, but I feel like a weight has lifted from my shoulders and I'm just like, I never have to do that ever again. There is, and the customer is going to get the first of every month. And like, it was just a good feeling, such a good feeling. That's wonderful. That's exactly what I was looking for is another story of that Eureka and then some kind of automation that makes your life easier and the client's life easier. Do you have any kind yeah. of um, article anywhere on that discovery, whether that's Medium, your own website or somewhere where I could point well, people to? I should probably write something up. Yeah, I haven't done anything with that like story-wise, but I should. That would be a good yeah. thing to write about. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good story. I'm so glad that we talked about that. Yeah. What um what got you into Microsoft Flow? Like, uh, or, or how did you even hear about it? Um, or, or were you specifically looking it up for this? Hmm. Sorry, I'm drinking a fun funky Buddha Floridian. Oh, tell me about it. What is that? Uh, if it's a Hefeweizen wheat beer from Funky Buddha, and it's mm. about Florida, I don't know. That's mm, good. Nice. I've enjoyed that. You can have some, right? There. Oh, thank you. Bum, 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 bum. That's All right, really good. good. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, Ooh, starchy. It's, it's five o'clock somewhere. So <laughs> I'd known about Microsoft Flow for a while. I just didn't know how easy it was to use or hard it was to use. And I think um, now I'm kind of uh, sold on it. And now I'm, I'm going to look out a little more proactively. Just So what it does is like you can connect. It's kind of like if this, then that supercharged. So if you ever used if then, oh, this, okay. then that, yeah. you connect up things from over here and then say like if you know, your Nest thermostat goes over 85 degrees, then text, you you know, send a text to your phone to say, like, it's hot. Um, well, it's that idea, but, like, a lot more configurable, so you can do flows that are more complex than if this, than that can do. And so for, like, a developer, if you're a developer out there and you have a manual process that touches, like, Office 365 or gmail or g suite or you know whatever and you have to like copy something from somewhere and put it somewhere else like this this is a perfect tool to like jive into and say like let's automate that so i i knew about it i just didn't know if it could do this and turns out i can hmm, that's really cool and now you have a new tool uh something that could propel you forward with uh, that task and i'm sure yeah. uh, a lot of other things coming up Oh, exactly. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to, if we can, jump back into DevFest really quick. How did you actually get involved with that? 
Um, so one of the guys who helps organize it, Hendrix, he Hendrix, yeah, Hendrix and Michael. Yeah, he came and spoke at the meetup I organized, the Orlando IoT meetup, and he gave a really good talk about uh, computer vision. And after it, or during it, he was talking about DevFest Florida and like there's a code or something to get a discount. And um, I asked him about it and he said, yeah, you can apply to speak. And I said, okay, so I did. And then he saw some of my videos of things I've done before. Like one of my talks I gave a while ago I dressed up as a monster from Monsters, Inc. And Which one? Uh, uh, well, I actually, if you must know. I must, I must. During that time, I was a monster in that, in that world, Monsters, Inc. And as we all know, mm -hmm. is, it's a real world. And we all know that that is an actual thing that existed. That it's, goes without saying, well, obviously. Right. Yeah. Well, that was kind of like the premise of the talk is that like we all know that Monsters Inc. is real and let's talk mm -hmm. about it. And it was the the reason why, yeah. <laughs> the reason why is because uh, I had created like a cylinder that is like those energy bottles that fill up when people laugh or scream, but fill up faster when they laugh. And I put LED lights in it and I did like a voice to text thing where somebody if you say ha 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 ha, it'll do take voice, turn it into text send it over the Raspberry Pi that was sitting in the cylinder and then light the lights up sequentially until it reaches the top. And then it would uh. run the, it would send data back up through the cloud back to, I had basically two desktop applications. One was the voice capture and turning into text and then sending it to Azure. Azure would send it back down to the Raspberry Pi. Once the Raspberry Pi filled up, it sent up to Azure the score to basically say you, you won or filled up your bottle. That would send it back to the de desktop to another app, which would say like leaderboard, you've added one person, you know, one bottle. The purpose being like a silly example of a very serious, like here's how you build an IoT thing to kind of take data from the cloud and send data back up to the cloud. But I love that. And yeah, the whole <laughs> the whole tide of the Monsters Inc. thing. Do you have a, a link to that that we could share? Maybe you could drop yeah. in our show notes for us and We'll add okay. that in there and uh, let people take a look at that. So right, Hendrick awesome. saw that. Yeah, so Hendrick saw that and he was like, oh, okay, this guy is something. So uh, you should come talk. Unfortunately, I didn't have that as I didn't spend as much time on the DevFest Florida talk as I would have liked to, but um, I do like to have a little fun when I can. Yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, sp speaking of uh, IoT, you are the organizer of Orlando IoT. So we should cover this a little bit. First, let's just for uh, maybe, I, I don't know who would know this, but what is IoT? We know it's the Internet of Things, but what does that mean? Well, let me jump in also and say Al Rodriguez and Garrett Curtis helped me out a lot on the meetup too. So it's not just me. So uh, uh, I want to shout out to them. Um, but what IoT is, is basically... Computing is no longer limited to screens. And that's what IoT, the power of IoT, connect internet of things. So when we had, you know, back in the day, we connected all of our phones to the internet, it became much more powerful. And we figured out all these crazy things we could do with our phones that we never thought possible before, like sending images across the world, seeing images from people that we don't even know through Instagram and stuff like that, or Vine. Voodoo doll apps. 
Voodoo doll apps. Oh, I didn't I even that. know what Keep that going. is. But <laughs> either. Sorry, ignore that. Yeah, I feel really strange. Is that normal? I feel like I'm getting like a pinprick here. No, wait, here. No. Anyway. No, no, sorry. no, no. I would not do that to you or anyone. Ah, okay. Good. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. So I'll be very yeah. kind the rest of this podcast, I think. <laughs> Them's so anyway. jokes. <laughs> yeah. So um, when we connect all of our things, like our, our lights and our um, traffic cameras and our factories and our ships, cars, cities, like we don't know yet exactly what the ramifications are going to be, but it's going to be really cool. And I think we're starting to see little tiny crumbs of that, little bits and pieces come through of how cool that will be. And that's what the Internet of Things about is about, is connecting all of our things and making the world a smarter place, basically. What I really want to ask you, being a subject matter expert on this, Jared, is what are some of the top three ways that we could protect ourselves? There's a lot of security. Yeah items here that we have to worry about. I think I read something recently in a book that I made up in my head about uh, there was something that happened in a casino somewhere. I think it was in Vegas. You probably heard about the story uh, where there was uh, something to do with an IoT uh, component in a fish tank, a raspberry pie in a fish tank. And it led uh, some people into this uh, and they were able to access some some banking. They were able to go to retrieve some money. Um, it was just this wide open door that nobody really thought of because you have technical people that come in and try to protect as much as possible, but then people will come in and just install these things without thinking that there's any kind of security implications to it. So if you could, I, you know, this might sure. might sound like a, a, a clickbaity thing, but for serious, for serious, Joe, for serious, what is some of the like the top three things that we could do to protect ourselves to to be ready? Some of the things that you might not think about as far as IoT. Is your casino doing okay? Mine is not. Yeah. It's in New Jersey, within inside of Jersey City, which is not doing well at all. It is oh, not okay. the Garden State. It's not prop- prosperous, but. I'll ask you about yours afterwards. Um, well, number one, I think if you're talking about specifically in IoT, is that like the scope? I of am. The like, what what okay. are some of the things? Like, basically, what I'm getting at is, <clears throat> yeah, what, what what can a company do as far as what they should know to protect sure. themselves? What should the basic consumer, as an individual, a family, do to protect themselves when they're uh, installing? I don't know, something that turns on their air condition. What yeah. should um, a small business do uh, as far as protecting their small business assets? Like, well, can you just give me some of the, make, maybe some of the basic things that people don't think about yeah. as far as like, make sure the first thing you do is turn off a. Unfortunately, like with the, when it comes to consumers, like there are a lot of people who are not knowledgeable in this area and they're not listening to this podcast. So I think, it's, they will be. They will be. They, if they aren't now, they will be. Um, I'll make them do it. So I think it's it's up to us as professionals in the industry to make it as easy as possible to secure our stuff. If you are building something in the IoT space, think about security first. Like, 
I know that doesn't help the end consumer necessarily right now, but if you're building something in the IoT space, security first. You, it's not worth the liability. It's not worth the risk. If you have a, if you're part of a business, getting to market first and then having a scandal about how your thing is compromised is not worth it. Go to go to market second and have yours be the secure thing, and then let your competitor get those headlines. I think that, um, but for consumers individually, I think number one would be don't buy stuff you don't need or don't think would add value. I think a lot of people buy things just because they think they're cool, and that's fine. I get it. Like early adopting is part of our DNA. I think as technology people, but when it comes to IoT stuff, like buying a bunch of stuff just opens you up to more issues. Like having more connected things is, and it sounds weird as the IoT guy to say like buy less connected stuff, but if it doesn't really, if you don't think it's really gonna add value, like- Reduce your risk. Think about it, just think about it. Like I have smart things, but I don't have like everything connected. And that's because I think there's a balance between, for me, like the, well, first of all, the cost, but second of all, like the risk and how much I'm willing to bear. But then once you do get those things, number one, change the password. Like if they have a default password, which they shouldn't at this point, but if they do change that password, in fact, go and just change all your passwords right now. Like wherever they are, go change all your passwords and delete all your old accounts that you don't need. And then I think finally would be no matter what you do buy, buy quality, like don't go on Amazon and buy the cheapest version of whatever smart doorbell thing you want to get, because I guarantee that the, the people making this cheapest thing didn't think about security at all. So they're, they're just trying uh -huh. to get the thing to work. Um, so at that point, when you're, when you're actually going to buy these smart devices, go for something that's uh, might be the more expensive thing because it got vetted out as far as yeah. security quality. Uh, you might be saving money at the beginning, but you're obviously opening yourself up to more vulnerability. Yeah. And one of the yeah. easier ways to like home automation, especially I think is where people think of first and there's a lot of smart hubs out there. Good. Get a, a well-respected brand version of a smart hub because that acts like a barrier between you and the internet. Like even if your devices locally are not super secure, you at least have one more barrier to entry between that device and the internet. So but for, for the people that don't thing. know what that means, what, what is a smart hub? So a smart hub, like an example would be Samsung smart things. Um, I think home assistant would count too, but basically it's where all your devices connect to each other and to the internet in one physical device that you connect to your router. And so what that allows you to do is have devices that don't necessarily talk over Wi-Fi because there's a lot of IoT devices that talk over like Zigbee or uh, Bluetooth or just different protocols that you don't necessarily want them all talking directly to your Wi-Fi router. Um, so you want something in the middle. You want a middleman, some middle. kind of filter to uh, help mitigate any right. kind of risk. And it may be that in the future, we live in a world where everything's 5G and everything's just directly connected to the internet. There is no Wi-Fi router, there is no hub, but we don't live in that world yet. So um, yeah, buy into an ecosystem. If you're gonna do smart home automation, like 
pick an ecosystem like Samsung, Samsung SmartThings or whatever, and just buy devices that work with that and uh, build out whatever your automation thing is. Yeah, that's great advice. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you. And I'm really happy that uh, with, with what you said there, I think there's a lot of value and a lot of good points for people to uh, take into account before they do this. Let me ask you about Orlando IoT. Um, you are the organizer. How did you go about organizing? How did you go about starting this? And what's yeah. the mission? What is it about? So um, I came down here about four years ago from Washington, DC. It's actually the second time I've moved here. Uh, I moved here to go to college, mm -hmm. then I moved up to Virginia, and then I missed Orlando and came back. And when I moved here, I was interested in IoT, and I had I looked up the meetup, and I had seen that they didn't have anything coming up, and so I just reached out to the organizer, and he said, uh, well, you know, life got in the way. If you want to organize something, you go for it. And so I did. And uh, eventually, good for you. I just, uh, well, I didn't stop. I kept organizing it. And uh, month after month, we kept having meetups. And then eventually, that guy moved to California. And so I was left holding the bag. But I was actually really happy because um, it's just a, I mean, building, seeing a community come together and learn from each other is just really rewarding for me. I really enjoy it. Absolutely. That's so cool. So how long have you been doing that now? You left uh, Virginia because it's for lovers and now you're doing that and you've been doing that for, uh, I believe it said three years. When it yeah, that's, that's about right. Three years. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That must be so rewarding. So what's um, some of the initiatives that you're trying to do? Are you, are you trying to educate the public more? Obviously it's not just a meetup. I imagine that you're trying to do a little bit more with it as well. Do you have any kind of yeah. um, any forward future plans? Um, so one of the things we're working on right now is becoming a nonprofit. And I think that'll open up the doors a little bit more to getting sponsorships and being able to, um, do bigger events basically. And my main goal of the group is to get people who are interested in this to learn from each other and work together because IOT has a lot of components. Like there's the hardware aspect, the connectivity aspect, the firmware potentially or embedded development aspect, the software aspect, depending on how big the thing is, um, the cloud, assuming you have a cloud backend. And so putting all these things together requires a lot of different skill sets. Um, you know, there, there are tricks to get away with not learning about certain areas, like, but ultimately it touches all of those things. And so I haven't seen, even though we have like software development meetups in Orlando and we have, I don't even know if we have hardware meetups in Orlando, but like having a place where all these people can come together and like brush shoulders with each other and collaborate on things, like that's my goal is to get people to work together and play together if they're not trying to make any money out of it. But yeah. I love that. Do you have any kind of um, success story, whether that's not uh financial, but maybe it's something yeah. really cool that you, you know what, I helped inspired so-and-so and I feel really good about that. Well, I think that there's lots of individual success stories within the group and it's sure. Um, I mean, we have like 1100 members. So knowing uh, who has done what, when, where, why, how, and how much of it was our group is definitely difficult, but there, oh, I, I, mean, can think I, of a couple I just, of, yeah, I just mean any, any kind of uh, yeah. example you might give. Well, one of the, 
I ran into somebody last night. So we had a meetup last night. And then after the meetup, I ran into somebody who had presented at the meetup a while ago. And I think what he's working on is, is extremely cool and very important. And I really hope to hope he succeeds. His name's Gordon Folks, and he's working on a, a company called Archer. And um, I think it might actually be Archer Flight Systems or something is the full title. But he's building uh, an automated drone delivery system that's deliver that will deliver um, AEDs, so defib defibrillators to people. And he has a pilot program that's going to be starting in Tampa pretty soon. And it's just incredible because that's definitely IoT. Like you have a thing out there being connected to the internet that is going to be autonomously like triggered and then go to a drop zone. So they have like, this drone is huge. It's a 24 inch uh, wingspan for each one of the propellers. So two foot propellers. Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't think it's like a four propeller. I think it's like a six propeller or something like that. But yeah. it has a 35 square mile radius it can go to. And he's partnering with a hospital over in Tampa. And so I don't think our group has like been the difference between him succeeding or failing, but I think, you know, him and other people in the, in the group and in the community, like really strengthen each other. Like people who see that and say, wow, that's really cool. I could probably do something like that. You know, that's fine. I, I, I love the, the ability to stretch this out beyond the imagination of what people might think of it uh, just right off the bat. Like a lot of people think, oh, drones, that's for delivering pizza, or that's what my kid uses with his iPhone. But yeah. it goes so much more uh, in, in many different directions. And the healthcare vertical is there. There's a lot of possibilities like that, yeah. where like you were talking about with with the defibrillators or uh, organ transplants or, or yeah, uh, delivering. That yeah, that, yeah. That, that there's so many different things that that could um, be applicable to. I, I saw one too where they were uh, demonstrating these um, giant drones in uh, China that they're developing for. Oh no, I'm sorry, Dubai that they're developing for a uh, like a hospital transport. Like it comes, it picks oh, wow. someone up and it delivers them to a hospital uh, quicker than you could get through Dubai normally by ground, yeah. which is amazing. And if anybody's gonna do it, Dubai of course would be like, let's throw a billion dollars at that plan, you know? Oh my God, yeah, Dubai has the money and they have yeah. the, the technical, um, uh, gumph, if you will, to do it. They, you know, they, they get things done over there. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about your company and uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the pronunciation, cause I'm not the best at that. I had public education in public school number 27 from New Jersey. It's Nebula, uh, Neba, Neba technology. Am I saying that right? Um, Nebia and it's Nebia. It's thank you. Company I work for. Um, uh, yeah. but it was actually recently bought, uh, acquired. So the company I work for is technically Nebia Technology Dash, a new signature company, which mm. I think I need two business cards to fit it on. But uh, <laughs> next month, fold out. yeah, eventually it'll be new signature. It'll just be the company that acquired us. But oh, okay. When, when did you get acquired? This is very recently. I'm, very I'm guessing. Recently. Like uh, I think we announced it two weeks ago or three weeks mm. ago. But, That's great. Congratulations. 
Thanks. Yeah, I've been working at the company for the company that got acquired for three years, and it had been around for like four, four and a half years, so fairly early. Um, and when I was started, we were five people. When we got acquired, we were 12, and it's really been kind of a journey. Like when we started, we didn't have any office space. We were working at a starter studio, and then eventually we got an office, and then eventually that office doubled in size because, you know, we were growing, so... It's been kind of a, a fun, a fun time. And then That's course, awesome. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So what exactly do you do there? Um, I oh, know boy. it is something with Azure. Uh, yeah. You probably have a, uh, a coat rack that has several different hats on it. So we could go into yeah. your, your top hat and each, each other one of those. Yeah. So mainly we do consulting around Azure and DevOps. And so that's... Mm -hmm helping people leverage the cloud, helping people deliver code to it, and really build a culture of um, delivering value quickly and often. And so what I do there as a software developer is kind of fill in the gaps of capabilities for our clients. Like we have people there who are really good with infrastructure and, and people there who are really good at pipelines. And so, I'm not, I'm pretty good with both of those things, but I'm not, that's not like what I would consider myself an expert. I'm still a software developer. I develop code, develop software. So a lot of times um, when someone, for example, goes from on-premises and they, they want to get off those dusty old servers in the corner and they want to go to the cloud, it requires some shifts in thinking and in code because in the server you have full control and you might have, for example, um, a lot of state in your application. Like you might be holding people's information from page refresh to page refresh, but in the cloud, if you're going to use like multiple servers and you're not sure like what next page request, which server it's going to go to, you can't just hold state in memory. So it would require like re-architecting the system a little bit. And so that's where I would come in basically. So we work together to enable our clients to go to the cloud and then deliver their code there more often. For, for, for people that might not understand where Azure fits as far as, um, I don't know, Google Cloud or AWS um, or what uh, Hypervisor is or, or any of that, do you mind just giving like a, um, and if, if you can, just a, a, like a basic explanation of what yeah. Azure is and, and what it does, like the well, like a, a, at a very high level. I have to warn everyone that I'm an Azure fanboy, and then I'm a Microsoft oh, MVP in Azure, so they like me, I like them. Like I'm a I'm Let's pretty hardcore. Team Blue, what's that? Let's see the tattoo. Oh Azure. right, no, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, actually, when I went to MVP Summit up in Seattle, I got a temporary tattoo of IOT on my arm. So that does that count for something? So Yeah, um, no, dude. That'd be that a dope ass something. tattoo kid right right there, know. like Azure. That's not gonna go out of date when they change the name eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> no, uh, never will. I got a macromedia one right here. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. Uh, I have shockwave on this side. And then flash. <laughs> just just flash. Mine says uh, flash point four. Flash player. <laughs> Oh, what does mine say? Uh, Silverlight. Yeah, of course. I have Silverlight right across the abdomen. That's what I got. Uh, um, I have Microsoft freehand. 
I just Netscape, just Netscape all over. Um, DOS on my leg. We are digressing. Yes, sorry. So, um, yeah, so I'm a big fan of Azure. So what Azure, Azure, to be fair, Azure, Google Cloud Platform, and AWS compete. And so a lot of the services, especially the ones that are more common, are pretty comparable between them. So, for mm -hmm. example, in Azure, you have functions. And a function, the idea of a function is that it does one thing really well, and it scales infinitely. And so you can write some code, and you don't have to write a bunch of infrastructure around it. You just write the code and then throw it in a function, and then you can have an entry point to that code, and then you know at the end it poops out something. Yeah. And you can put that fun yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you can put that function just up there, and you don't have to worry about it scaling up. It'll just do it automatically. And then it charges you very, very little money because they uh, they manage. It basically lies dormant while people aren't using it. Well, and, well, then where does where does the virtualization come in of that? Well, in that case, or, or, or am uh, I going too far ahead? No, maybe I can, am. We can talk about it. Um, okay. so, so I was just going to say that AWS has lambdas, which is the same idea. So you can cross shop lambdas and functions, but where Azure and Google Cloud Platform and AWS differ is some of the more specialized services. I think so. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about IoT, for example, like Microsoft has a crap ton of IoT products and some of them fulfill the same things that you might be able to get in AWS, but then there's other ones that you just, you're not gonna be able to do that with AWS. Like an example would be um, Azure IoT Edge, which is their like edge runtime that runs on devices at the edge. And you can run like machine learning algorithms that you create in Azure at the edge, which makes it so that there's low latency. If the internet goes out, that's not a problem. As far as I know, there's nothing like that in AWS uh, or Google Cloud Platform. And it's not like you can't do that using those services, but you'd have to find some third party to basically do that, so. And that's all within the same ecosystem. And in this case, yeah, that, that would be all in the same Azure ecosystem. I Trust me, I've tried to leave an adventure away from Microsoft at points in my career, and I keep getting pulled back in because they just make it so easy. And it's kind of a abusive relationship in that case. But no. <laughs> they well, make sometimes a little bad. bit abuse is good. A little S and M. Thanks, Microsoft. Yeah. No. Uh, mm -hmm. No, it's really great. They make it so so easy as a developer to stay in their platform because they just, frankly, make me a lot of money. So that's good. That's developer. a plus. Yeah. But if you're talking about virtualization, mm -hmm. so AWS basically, they made all their money from just straight virtualization in the sense that you can run a VM. You can spin up a new VM in, in AWS and use a bunch of resources, like hundreds of gigabytes of RAM, you know, that sort of thing. And when AWS first got started, they were, the, they were pretty much the first people to do that at a reasonable cost and at scale. And that's why they started, they basically started the cloud war. They started the cloud the cloud war. wars. Cloud war. Well, there's really cloud wars. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, AWS threw all their weight behind, like, we'll virtualize your stuff. Never do you have to worry about buying a physical server again. And the, you know, admins across the world were like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to provision a server and wait six weeks. 
great. Please sign me up. And then uh, when Azure got to the table, they realized they had to offer something different. And being a software company and always, you know, if you've ever seen like the developers, 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 uh, what was that guy? Who the CEO of Microsoft back in the day, Steve Ballmer, yeah. like that, even though that's a joke that Steve Ballmer is up on stage saying developers, 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 like doing that, that dance. Is, yeah, exactly. It's stupid. But that is their ethos. They do believe yeah. in developers. Amazon wanted to make things cheap and scale and take market share. And then and in Microsoft, their whole thing is like, how can we make it easy for developers to use this platform? And so that's what they've invested a lot of time and money in, including really great documentation and a lot of platform as a service stuff that AWS is now playing catch up with. And they're going uh, tat, you know, tit for tat with Azure about it. So platform as a service is like one step above just hardware virtualization. So when you talk about hypervisor and you talk about like an image of an operating system, someone still has to go in that operating system and patch it on patch Tuesday. Or if it's yeah. Linux, you know, still have to update it. But one layer above that is platform as a service. And that's where we're talking about the functions or uh, message queuing systems or um, some of the IoT things like uh, IoT Hub, basically stuff where you don't really know how it works under the hood, but it just works. And then you can piece those pieces together and build an application at a level where you're designing architecture instead of managing an operating system. I love that. How do you, say compared to the others, how do you measure performance? Like, uh, again, on a high level, like how, how do you look at that? Um, that's a good question. I don't know, like they, Microsoft does their own internal performance stuff and they, they send out little, uh, updates, you know, with like, here's our service compared to their service. And then obviously yeah. AWS will come back and they'll do the same thing. I've never felt the need to like cross compare performance across the okay. things. And I think that speaks to it's fast, you know, like I've never felt the need, like, yeah. but um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, at the end of the day, unless we're talking about like FFPGAs um, where you can design your own hardware, most of these companies use similar under underlying hardware, like Intel and AMD and stuff right. like that. So at least hardware wise, they're all competing fairly at the same level, but the software well, side, you know, the, what runs on top of it, that's where they definitely can get an edge what, over each other. What would you say uh, to someone when they're maybe comparing all these services? Like how would you, if you would sell Azure compared to the other ones? Like if I had a, just a, I, I, I won't go into a specific scenario, but if I just had a, a general understanding of these technologies, and I was trying to choose, you know, if I said, Jared, what, which one should I go into and why? Yeah. Well, they all have free trials. So break out the free trial, play with them, and see see which one you like most. Like, I think that that's a fair comparison. You can read blogs all day about who believes what is the best. And ultimately, yeah. they're all three making a lot of money. And... <laughs> 
Well, to be honest, Google's not yeah. making as much money as the other two. So if you if you wanted to make it easier on yourself, comparing AWS and Azure might be the the quickest thing to do. But, mm, okay, well that's fair because yeah. I think what what you're uh, alluding to, uh, if that's the right word, is that it's and this probably goes with pretty much anything. Whatever works for you to get the job done, whether that's yeah. hammering a nail with a literal hammer or a brick. Whichever one works for you the best, use that tool yeah. to get the job done. And ask your friends. Like if you are have a community around you already, um, they may already have a favorite cloud platform or whatever. And it's just easier if you can ask somebody that you know about a problem as a last resort if you need to. Um, so ask around would probably be helpful. I give the same advice for like Android versus iPhone. Like, okay, what do your friends have? If they have all have Androids, then it's probably not going to help to have the latest, you know, emojis on your messenger if nobody can see them. So, you know, that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Or you're not going to FaceTime them. Yeah. True. Jared, uh, we're getting at the end of the show, and I just got a few uh, last related, unrelated questions that I really like to ask people. Um, if you weren't doing what you're doing now and you, um, say you couldn't be around a computer, what, sure. what else would you be doing professionally? Gotcha. Uh, no computer. No computer. I would probably be making hot rods. For hot sure. rods. Tell me yeah. like what kind of hot rods are you, uh, a Corvair fan? Like, What's, Corvair, that's an interesting one. Tell me one thing you know about the Corvair. Uh, they explode in the 1967. Ooh. According to Ralph Nader, they do, but... Yeah, so you're well, saying they're I, unsafe at any speed? I am not saying that. I am literally repeating a statistic. I don't have physical uh, evidence, but I have driven in one when I was in high school, and it purred like a kitten. Nice. Yeah, those And are it didn't blow up. Those are fun vehicles, uh, mm -hmm. like from a mechanical perspective, because they're flat sixes, all aluminum, air-cooled, and so you can have uh, essentially, and they're rear-engined. So, I mean, that's just crazy talk. Out of GM, General Motors made that vehicle back in the 60s. They made a rear-engined, air-cooled, they're trying to compete with Volkswagen. <laughs> Which, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, the whole thing be, be, behind like the eight cylinder and the six cylinder was that back, I think it was like the early or late 70s was that, you know, the eight cylinder delivered what Americans wanted out of a car, but the fuel efficiency issue was really starting to gain yeah. uh, traction. And then the four cylinders just weren't enough for people to um, to be happy with. So they thought, why don't we just saw off two of these? Yeah, I mean, it could have been. And they added a turbo to them, too, at later mm -hmm. a later date, which is really crazy for back in that time. But, but the turbo <laughs> didn't really kick in until you got to a certain speed. Oh, probably, and then it's yeah. like, oh, turbo. That's yeah, this feels cool. like a six. Yeah. yeah. Um, it. So but, why? But, but a hot rod, tell me. Like, you, yeah, what you want to build rod? them? Yeah, I would I would build crazy stuff that nobody else is building. Like, um, you know, you ever know what the you, Scion XB is? Like the square. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. Yeah. Of course. Take one of the those coaster. and put it on a tube frame chassis, like an old uh, 
dragster car with the front like lifted up like a gasser you ever oh. see what a gasser looks like yeah dude yeah you nice. know do insane stuff like that where nobody is even expecting it like really take the genres and just mash them up you know i'd be like oh, i love that old town road but with cars is really what it is you know what i'm talking about i like that yeah that's pretty yeah. cool very commendable that's a good career and uh, uh, one one more thing before I ask you the last question, which is, uh, what's the best way people could get to know you? Uh, where what's your Twitter handle? Basically, I'm asking you, what's your website? How how can people find you? Um, Firstandlastname.com is my website, but Twitter is probably the fastest way to get a hold of me, which is J P O R C E N A L U K, and that's it. You put the ad at the front, you know, at J P O R C E N A L U K. Nice. If and I we'll could make my name a little bit shorter, I would, you know. But well, I mean, legally, you can if you care to. I could. I could make it shorter. You do have that authority. You live in the United States of America. Wow. Or the U.S. You know, because they the make US. their name their name shorter too. Which is, oh yeah. Why don't we just get rid of one of those initials and we're you know, yeah. I mean, we already know it's America. I think that's kind of redundant. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. know where the country physically is. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I think uh, we're making progress here. GB America. So uh, final question. Do you have any kind of parting words of wisdom for our audience, whether that be something that you just like to tell people, uh, something about IoT, Azure, any kind of soft skill or Anything that you'd like to share, I want to open that up to you so you have a, a chance to uh, provide some kind of uh, info that you'd like to tell people. Wow, that's really heavy thing to drop at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be some kind of a ethereal uh, quote or something like that. Whatever, whatever uh, you have in there that, that yeah. you'd like to tell people, uh, probably getting into tech, this level of tech, or specifically this tech. Yeah. Um, nobody knows everything, but you know something. And so, you know, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that, yes, that might be funny, but that's there's a very uh, good point and uh, a lesson within there is that, um, and if, if you don't mind me, uh, jumping sure. on that and, and uh, appending something to it is that you, meaning you, the proverbial, you have a unique opinion on the things that you do and you hear. Even if you hear something from somebody and you're like, well, that's not worth repeating. Well, actually your version, it might be worth repeating to someone else because it's filtered through you and you might have something of value to add. So I think, I think that's great advice. Good, I did it. <laughs> you did right. it. You did good. Oh, hey, Jared, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Yeah, I'm sorry your compatriots couldn't join you, but I had a good time. And yeah, actually, I'm not going to lie. You're my favorite host, and you should tell both of them that I said so. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, it was a good time. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really sincerely appreciate that. So listen, I'm the favorite host. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, uh, just a reminder, please subscribe to the show if you find it valuable. We put this out 
every week we have a the live stream, which is now, and we have the audio podcast. So please help us out by subscribing and clicking the notification button. And if you can also go to the iTunes and give us a review or a five star or something like that, it would really mean a lot to us that you're listening and you appreciate what we're doing. And uh, we certainly appreciate you. So again, Jared, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the show. And thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening and or watching. Take care till next time. Uh, stay tuned next week for uh, Eric Meyer. We'll have him on the show. Bye, everyone. See you, Bye. Jared. for consuming the thunder nerds we honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show please subscribe on youtube and itunes write us a review kick a few stars our way and above all else please remember to send your favorite book suggestions to brian hinton i, I like romance novels they have happy endings I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?